it was not me. It was not my true self when I had the big house and the jet ski and just everything, the truck. I was accumulating everything I thought I was supposed to accumulate based on like what I thought, who I thought my role models were. You know, I, I kind of lost myself. And that was a little bit about what my leaving social media was about, what my leaving the United States was about. I just didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know what I actually wanted. And I had to leave everything for a little while to kind of find myself. This is Super Fast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 692, and I'm here with Justin Brook. Welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me back, man. Well, you've been back a few times now. You're on episode 282, talking about traffic. You're on episode 345, talking about traffic. And you're on episode 577 talking about algorithms. And for today's episode, 692, we're going to be talking about the lifestyle that goes on behind running a traffic empire, a training company that you have, mm. and uh, see what it looks like. You know, when you get a little bit behind the scenes, I'm sure it'll be fascinating for someone listening to this to know what life looks like because you and I have known each other for quite some time now online and I'm absolutely- a long time. Yeah. It's great to have such a great friendship, to have crossed paths many times on our journey with lots of mutual friends in common. We agree on lots of things. We have some peripheral things on the side that probably slight differences. I think you're interested in a couple of things that I'm not, and I'm interested in a few things that you're not, mm. which is what makes you know a great Venn diagram at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the stuff in the middle there, you know, this is fascinating. We've both got kids. We're both entrepreneurs. We've both been online for over a decade, and you're really experimenting with the way you're living your life in a more of a counter cyclical way to the typical American dream. So I'd love you to talk about that and how you deal with that as a parent and what's going on with your kids. And I've met your kids. We've all been surfing mm -hmm. and uh, they're great kids. Really lovely that they come traveling with you and enjoy the world landscape. And uh, I think this will be a really interesting discussion. Absolutely. I can't wait. This is going to be a good one. I know there's a lot of my uh, followers who have always wondered, like, what's it really like? Like, outside of the Facebook posts and outside of the email list and the blog, like, what's it really like behind the scenes? When it comes to social media... Do you have a policy on that of how much you're prepared to share? And does the social media, Justin, we see match the behind the scenes, Justin, or is there a differential? The closest you could get to seeing the real Justin is probably the last 20 to 30 posts on my Instagram at Zenzilla. Even the, the screen name there, that's my gamer name, something I, I don't usually share with the internet marketing scene. I quit social media a while ago. I was going to quit for a whole year. I only made it eight months before I came back. And uh, the reason I came back is I just felt like, I mean, this is a little vain, but uh, I felt like if the good guys leave, that's not fair to the people, you know, and I wanted to treat it differently. So prior, I treated social media probably like everybody else shared my rants, my lunches, my tips, you know, everything, just any top of mind thought 
And I realized, you know, I didn't want the toxicity. I didn't want, you know, the amount of time I was spending into it. So I treat it like an email list now. So no, I, I don't really share a lot of my life is, you know, sometimes I share some pictures of my kids. Sometimes I share pictures of our travels, but for the most part, I treat it like my email list and I keep my posts very on topic to things I know that my market is interested in. Interesting. I've seen a few people have detox or go off social or leave it all together. I think John Reese is one that comes to mind mm. who went off. And I've always wondered people need to announce it or not. <laughs> yeah. Or if they would, would just go. Like, I don't use social media very heavily, but I don't feel compelled to talk about it that much because the more people say, oh, I'm going to leave social media or whatever, it seems more like they want attention. Yeah. Whereas it'd be great if you just disappear quietly and people <laughs> sort of start noticing like, hey, where are you? Then that means there was some value contributed and you would be perfectly within your validation to accept, you know, Social media was better for some other people because you were contributing. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, do you delineate much between work and non-work stuff? Like, for example, do you have a business page or private accounts that you treat differently or do you just lump it all in together? All in together. Pretty much all of my social media is business. If I want to talk to my family, I pick up the phone, I text them. You know, we have some Facebook groups, you know, family kind of Facebook groups same goes with my high school friends. You know, we're texting all the time. We get on the phone. If they do contact me on Facebook, I just don't just call me, man. You know, and so I keep a lot of my personal life off of social media. I show enough, you know, because I know that my fans are interested in they want to know. And I know it's important to sort of show a little bit of yourself so that they understand, you know, who you really are and know, like and trust you, things like that. But for the most part, I lump it all in because it's all business to me on social media. Right. So if there was no business purpose, you probably wouldn't be using social media? Absolutely. I'm going to use your tip next time, if there is a next time, because I'm not announcing anything. <laughs> Good one. It's pretty organic. <laughs> I know there's a lot I could do for my personal feed to make it all businessy. But I'm a bit like you. I think there's stuff you want to share or not. It's also hard. Recently, having had a baby, it's almost impossible not to want to share some pictures for all the people who are asking you about it. That mm -hmm. forced a whole range of questions whether I wanted to go down that path or not. Because the thing is, with my newest baby, life is very different than when I had my first baby in terms of social media. When I had my first baby, that's when I had my first computer. We're talking about 1996. <laughs> wow. Like the internet was brand new <laughs> in Australia, especially. I was like dial up and I'd have to wait half an hour for a page to load with a picture of a car. And that computer was in the same room as his little cot. And then I went off the computer for many years and then started back again in 2005. It's probably around about the same time you were coming online as well. Early days for us. And yep. then it's like transformed a lot. Over the last 14 years, hasn't it? From when we started, it was oh. really hard to put a website up and really hard to put video or audio, even to get paid, set up merchant accounts. And all these things were difficult. These days, you're up and running today if you want, you know, like very different. Yeah, yeah. It's both easier because getting started is so easy today compared to what it used to be. However, that actually makes it a little harder because it's so easy for everyone to do it. Yeah, it's a lot more competition. Mm. And the other thing is, you know, from the, the kid's perspective, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have mobile phones. We were out riding BMX bikes and playing basketball in the streets and that sort of stuff. It was a different time in the 80s. And then, of course, with my kids, they started to get phones as they're a bit older. These days, there's kids in China getting iPads when they're born 
and they're blind by the time they're two. Oh, jeez. Like they're having a major problem with uh, wow. you know, device time. The, the health recommendation, of course, is zero screen time until you're at least two. But I've seen a lot of these kids, especially when I take flights these days, you tend to sit in the row where the other kids are, the other babies. Mm-hmm. But I've right, seen right. little t- tiny kids with their own devices and like <laughs> glued to the thing. And I think that's really scary. And my baby's like a heat seeking missile to any device. She will <laughs> crawl for it, go for it. We have to really shield her from uh, being able to watch it. You no. Know, so my other kids who are a little bit older now, the youngest one of that first batch has had devices for quite some time, but computer use has become a real challenge. And also with him, you know, I was uh, working from home probably from the time he was five or six. So for most of his life, I do different things to other dads. And, you know, I'm just hanging out at home in board shorts, playing on my computer a little bit. We go to the cafe or the beach or the shops. You know, I'm not suiting up in my tie, driving off to work like I did with the first kids. So very different world to come up as a child than what it was a few decades ago. And I'm starting to see the impact of that. I used to think it was cool and okay for them to spend plenty of time on the computer and to have an advantage over their peers. But now I'm seeing you can have too much time. I've had to install cutoff devices now. We yep. switch our modems off every single night, midnight till 7 a.m. on an electric timer. Nice. And that's helped a little bit. But we're, you know, really having to navigate new territory. And I'm wondering, how's that going with your kids at the ages they're at and seeing what you do and your policies around usage? Yeah, very similar stories. You know, probably could say a lot of exactly the same that you said. You know, my son... You know, he was around at a time before I was in the, you know, I've been doing this 15 years and he's 16 years old. So he saw me at the very, very early days where my daughter, you know, she grew up on organic food and living in hotels and she learned how to swim in Bali. You know, I mean, you know, she's gone surfing in Narrabeen Beach and, you know, it's, it's been a whole thing. So yeah, very similar thing. And, and we've kind of come to the same conclusion. I've been very tech adamant. And I got to eat my own words. I really wanted to prove to the world that they could, you know, that it was good. They could have a lot of tech access. And I've just been proven wrong. You know, it's hard for adults to get over the addiction that some of these products, these Facebooks, these TikTok now, you know, I was on TikTok for one day and I immediately told my wife, I was like, this is the most addictive thing I've ever seen. Like, I've got to literally give myself a time limit using it and to try and think of a kid being able to do that. Like, it would be hard at 16, impossible at below 10, 12 years, you know, they just don't have the control yet. And so, yeah, you know, we're now starting to do those same type of rules where, you know, they can't, you know, use it in the morning. Uh, they got to get their reading done first and reading has to be done, you know, off of a screen instead of on like an iPad or something. Yeah, we're starting to implement a lot of the same things and we need to get even tighter with it because they just can't control it. Kids can't control it. Adults can't control it. Look, there's so many kids, you know, so many adults right now just massively addicted to the Instagram and Facebook and they just can't get off of it. And so how can we expect kids to control themselves? Yeah, I'm watching how much my daughter observes what I do and then she'll copy so if your parents always on a device, the kid's going to want to be on a device and it just makes sense. And right. I agree with you. 
I've had to change my position on how much technology is good for kids, having seen where we've gone too far <laughs> with one of them. Yeah, yeah. I do believe it's massively good. However, it has to be controlled just like anything else. You know, I mean, you can literally, you know, poison yourself with water. You know, you can poison yourself with healthy things. Uh, and, and so I do believe the same thing with tech. I believe tech is massively good. I believe we really need to be pushing our kids to learn how to use them and learn how to use them properly, not just for surfing TikTok and YouTube and, you know, whatever. However, it does need to be controlled like anything else in life. The best podcast I've done on that topic was with Nia El, the author of Indistractable. Yes. And it was such a great lesson for me mm-hmm. uh, to understand, you know, the same guy who wrote the book Hooked, of course. That's what I thought. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. So he taught us how to get him hooked, yep. and now he's teaching us how to get up. That's funny. Exactly. He's teaching you, you know, how they do it, and he's teaching you how to prevent it. He was basically, his whole premise is that technology isn't the enemy. It's down to the user. Yeah. And uh, for that reason, there's no way I'm going to go onto platforms like um, TikTok. This is the last place I'm going to find myself. <laughs> I'm trying to limit the platforms I'm already on because I, I think it's healthy to have a time outside. Of, and thankfully for me, I've got surfing. There's that part of my day every single day where my device is stuck into a cupboard or a drawer and I'm I'm off. I'm out walking down to the beach with no tech doing my analog thing, time to think, time to digest. And and also reining in my work week significantly has given me that mental space to be able to deal with it. But I do see a lot of overloaded, manic adults who aren't in control of it. It really does flow through the kids. The other thing I'm noticing with uh, children, they tend to pick up the tendencies of the parent. If the parent's stressed and anxious and concerned, the, the kid's going to be a reflection of that and cry and sooky and difficult. And so I'm raising a bit of a chilled baby at the moment, and I hope it stays the same. <laughs> Do you find your kids have taken on some of the stress or anxiety of your entrepreneurial journey as you've had a few little ups and downs along the way? <sighs> Recently with my son, because I've started cutting him off on some of the money things, and so he's starting to feel the pressure, financial pressure of doing something and, and getting his button gear and, you know, uh, setting alarms and, and things like that. My daughter, not even a bit, you know, she just, she loves it. She craves it. She's such a creative. I mean, she's eight, but she's great at photography and she just, you know, picked up exactly how to start using Instagram and, you know, it's just been part of her life, you know, so she just gets it. She's watched the YouTubers since she was four. So she just understands how to, you know, you turn on the camera and she knows exactly what to say and she knows how to end a video and, and things like that. She's just grown in it. So she knows it. And she craves it. She really wants to produce and make and create where my son and also, you know, he was born in a different time. So maybe that's where it comes from. But he likes to get outside to you know go out to eat. I have to really, really try to get him to like do work on a computer to use it for anything other than entertainment. Right. And do you feel that they think they're different to their peers? You know, I suppose you're not doing the traditional school thing, right? right. So maybe they don't have traditional peers. Mm hmm. It always gets weird when somebody asks what grade they're in <laughs> and they have to like kind of look up it. And even myself, you know, we all look at Shauna like, uh, what grade are they in? <laughs> and then that weirds out other kids. I'm impressed you know how old they are. That's a good start. <laughs> well, that's why I have t- tattoos of their birthdays. I'm not going to ask you what day of the week it is. Don't worry. Yeah. All right. Good. Thanks. <laughs> 
So, yeah, that gets weird. Then it also is, you know, their schedules are so different. You know, they don't have to just wake up and go right to school. I mean, they they have to read for 30 minutes every morning. First thing, you know, their morning routine is get up, brush your teeth, brush your hair, eat breakfast, read. That's their morning routine. And then, you know, because we do unschooling, school kind of happens throughout the day, throughout our life. And so it's very, you know, whenever the school conversation comes up between kids, otherwise they're just out on the playground and nobody really, nobody brings up school out on the playground until somebody says, what grade are you in? And then it gets weird. Right. I've found uh, here there are some options for online learning mm. for school um, where they can also go into a, a sort of a shared class for yeah. people who just don't fit into the regular school system. And they can actually do it at their own pace and choose their own subjects. And they can do it technically much quicker, maybe off even a half or a one day a week. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to do the old nine to three, five day a week yeah. school thing if that's not their jam. Yeah. One year, my 16-year-old son, he finished the entire year in seven months. Right. The, he got a huge five-month-long summer. You know, he loved it. So I think we might be seeing a shift in the education system, primarily because a lot of the jobs that they're being tuned for won't exist in 10 years from now. That will be really interesting one to watch, and I'm conscious of it having a new baby come through the system. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's life going to be like when she's 20? Yeah. It's going to be a very different landscape than it is now. Like, we would look back on a podcast like this and think, gosh, if we only knew. <laughs> Where do you think things are going to change for your kids? Like if your eight-year-old's going to be 18, what's going to change in 10 years from now? I think VR is going to be so much bigger than we all think it's going to be. I think uh, we're going to spend a lot of time in VR. I think a lot of our relationships are going to happen in VR. I could be wrong. In some ways, I kind of hope I'm wrong, but I think that that's kind of where we're going. VR, AR, you know, I, I've already had times when I've been laying in a hotel room and I'm like, man, I wish I could kind of just scroll my TV up on the wall and kind of, you know, zoom it out uh, instead of having this hard piece of plastic that I can't move anywhere I want it to move. So I think that's going to be a big thing for our kids that they'll, you know, kind of live in this technology world a lot more and they'll spend the minority of their time actually going out into the world doing things because things will just get shipped to them. They'll have 3D printers printing things out for them. Those the 3D printing technology is getting so good now that they can actually use food products, metals, plastics, rubbers. So with all the delivery things, the 3D printing, VR, instant cash transactions, you know, you're in Australia, I'm in Tennessee and we're already having, we can do face-to-face meetings. So I think a lot of that is going to progress big. You know, I think we're going to come into this 5G internet speeds. Graphene is going to become a more popular product and battery life is going to become a bigger thing. So the internet speeds are going to become faster. The battery life is going to become longer and it's going to be rapid charging and it's just going to be always on, always connected. Uh, I think the internet is going to kind of fall into the background and you're just always on it, always connected to everything. Well, I can't wait till I can ditch a keyboard. It still blows my mind that yes. that is, you know, the way, cause I still can't type fast. <laughs> Luckily, you know, with podcasts, it's a bit of a cheat, but it's just blows my mind we still got this stupid keyboard and a mouse and a screen it's like when can we have minority report at least so that that will be welcome and uh i think you know a lot of cars will be driving themselves in lots of places by then Mm -hmm. yeah we may not own as many things so preparing kids for that's quite an interesting one 
What sort of challenges have you had when it comes to living situation? Because I remember seeing at various stages, you had this contrast between living in a large home to then being on the road. Mm. And I'm interested in what drove those decisions and what surprises you had along the way. Yeah. So it was not me. It was not my true self when I had the big house and the jet ski and just everything, the truck. I was accumulating everything I thought I was supposed to accumulate based on like what I thought, who I thought my role models were. You know, I, I kind of lost myself. And that was a little bit about what my leaving social media was about, what my leaving the United States was about. I just didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know what I actually wanted. And I had to leave everything for a little while to kind of find myself. And, you know, with all this social media and not even just social media, but media, you know, people think of media as only the news, but it's the movies, it's the commercials, it's the podcasts, it's social media. It's like everybody's telling you who you should be and how you should be doing it. And I lost those things. And so that's why I left it all and what I, who I truly am. I don't need much. And that's why I probably could be making a whole lot more money than I do, but I'm, I'm just really not money motivated. I'm much more motivated. You know, a good story, a good example is I had a client and we were crushing it with lead gen, my biggest lead gen victories to date. I got up to 17,000 leads in one day and, and we were doing 12,000, 14,000 leads every day for months on end, just crushing it. And I wanted to go farther. But they wanted to rein it in. They wanted to pull it back. They wanted to only be between 12 and 15 because that's sustainable. It's, it's good numbers. And so I just left, you know, a good paying client behind because I knew I could do 50,000 know, leads a day. And so for me, it's about the achievement. It's about the milestones. It's about mastery. And so that's what I'm really all about. And so that's why I live pretty small. I live out of a suitcase, a suitcase and a backpack. I prefer to be video gaming. I prefer to be, uh, you know, doing art. I, I'm really like most people don't know. I'm super into anything creative, art, photography, toys, markers. I would rather be in an art studio all day long making things than doing a lot of what I do today. So what is getting in the way of you just being in a studio doing those things and not doing the other stuff? Uh, you know, I do like a lot of what I do. You know what I like? I like who I'm doing it for. I've really fallen in love with the people that I'm helping with, you know, my team. It's taken me a long, I've had a huge journey <laughs> when it comes to employees. Uh, at one point I was like, you know what? I'm never going to have employees again. I think I remember that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to build the world's, I was, gonna, my goal was to build the world's largest one man business. <laughs> and now I'm just absolutely enamored with my team. I think I've got the right people. They're such good people. And I just want to help them build their lives. And the same goes for my customers and my kids. You know, I, I do a lot of what I do today for them because it gives them this life that I have been given where I can just take whatever day I want and I can go eat at whatever restaurant I want. I mean, I'm not like, you know, mega rich or anything like that, but I can pretty much do what I want and go where I want. So depends what you classify as rich. Yeah. You know, like right. one of my mentors used to say, you know, what's rich? And he goes, and you can't answer money. Mm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. 
Maybe you're rich in family. Maybe you're rich in friends. I relate to you. I absolutely adore my team. When I left my job, I wasn't that keen on having a team. Then I built a team of 65, of course, as you do. (laughs) And uh, then when I sold the service businesses, the reason I sold them to the people who bought them is because they wanted to take on the team and my team would get looked after. That was very important to me. The team I have now are just incredible. Coming up to 10 years, you know, they've worked for me more than twice as long as I've worked in any one business, you know, before, which is incredible. I wonder, do you do things for you though as well? Cause, you know, I get the sense that a lot of people are doing things for their parents or their kids, but mm. is it okay to have a life where you look after yourself as well? Yeah. I mean, so the whole reason I only work 5 a.m. to 10, I mean, dude, you know, let's be honest, you started all this for me, right? You know, I was a madman. <laughs> I remember prescribing video games for you. Yeah, it was you did. fairly counterintuitive at the time. You did. You did. And, um, you kicked it all off, man. I was a madman. I was working all the hours. I'd wake up and roll over to the computer and then I'd roll back over and go to bed. You know, it was always working. <laughs> well, can, you can get a bit dull doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so now I only, most days, you know, I mean, some days I work till 1 PM or, you know, some days I have a whole day and I work, but for the most part, I work five to 10. And some days I just take the whole day off. Some days I take three whole days off, you know, because I can do whatever I want. So yeah, I will not compromise that. And that's what I do for myself so that I can have plenty of time to play Borderlands 3 or to do Dungeons and Dragons or to, you know, me and my daughter, we call it uh, picture hunting, mm-hmm. you know, where we just take our cameras and, uh, you know, we make it like we're hunting, you know, we're hunting for the good shot. You know, where are we going to find the good shot and the good angles? And we get all into it, laying on the floor and, and you know, rolling to our side. And, you know, and we act like we're these, like, elite photographers. Oh, it's so good. I enjoy watching you combine a few of your passions. I've seen some camera shots of toys. Yeah. I was wondering in the back of my mind, you know, did it take Ryan Levesque being a Lego fanboy for you to be comfortable sharing pictures of toys for the rest of the world? Do you think he forged some new ground? I didn't even know that he did that. Oh, he's a huge... Huge, huge Lego fan. Everyone knows it. Uh, I used to think like Netflix was uh, a guilty pleasure or, you know, watching YouTube videos and stuff. That's what people do who are lazy or slack. Right, right. However. Because that's what we're told by the media. Right. Well, I sort of told myself because I had this sort of very hard ingrained work ethic because, you mm-hmm. get, you know, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents who were the builder generation. Yeah. They were, you know, they didn't have butter when they were kids. They were rationed. There was a war. <laughs> so we have to change, you know, and then our parents take on some of the characteristics and then we change and then our kids. And that's really this discussion, being open to that change. For me, a life changer was blocking out Fridays and Mondays as well as the weekend Mm -hmm. from scheduled calls and just doing my scheduled calls Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then a morning block and an afternoon block. That gives me plenty of time. You know, after I did my coaching calls yesterday morning, I took my daughter down to the local pool for a nice swim, you know, and then we had a cafe lunch and I watched some Netflix before my afternoon session and I enjoy life. Right. And you can actually build those things in. I don't need a billion dollar company though. Right. And that's the thing. I don't need to buy a football team. It's not going to make me feel like a better person. It's not built in me. It's interesting you say you're not as competitive anymore. <laughs> Because I've noticed that. I used to be so competitive. Yeah. And 
my competitiveness has eased right away and it's allowed me to have much better relationships with people in the marketplace who might have, you know, earlier on been perceived as competitors. And I know you and I had a chat about this once. Mm-hmm. I think there was some guy out there sort of with a strong marketing message and it was causing feelings in you that you wanted to understand it. And then we sort of came to the conclusion that it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And I've been reading books like The Courage to Be Disliked. And yes. Yes. You can see videos from Gary Vee and there's some good messaging out there about, you know what, it doesn't really matter what people think about you and it doesn't really matter about people's perceptions because they don't really know you. And if you know yourself and you're true to yourself, then who cares? Right. So I think being able to let go of the need to have a jet or a whatever, if that's not your true burning desire, right. is a healthy thing. I do believe that if that is you, yes. if you like the shiny shoes Correct. and the suits and you want to buy a team, then go do that. But yeah, don't exactly. think that everybody needs to do that. No. And more importantly, I don't think even those guys are telling people that they should do it. Right. They're not, I think right. just that because they're into it and showing it, other people like, you know that saying, like, if you don't have a plan, you fall into someone else's. Yeah. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. I think people just sort of, they get rah rah up about that. And uh, mm-hmm. there seems to be, people are kind of willing to just hand over the reins to their brain to someone else and just go along for the ride and not have that independent thought or the responsibility. I think that's a key word that comes up. And that's what I'm hoping to share with my children responsibility and a little bit of stoic persistence and a fair bit of resilience. I think resilience is a skill that kids need. It's like when they fall over and you pick them up, instead of sucking around them and stuff, oh, are you okay? You know, it's like, come on, mate, you're all right. Right. And just move on. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. Lately, uh, you've been publishing really great posts, um, you know, business-related posts. You've been building up your training business ad skills. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of the top training places in the industry for learning traffic. Three come to mind. There's ad skills, there's uh, stuff Molly Pittman's been doing, and there's another one in our community called Alana. She has um, teach traffic, but you know, people who are going through those trainings are coming out with great skills, and you've been on a mission lately to build that up and to share the message. You've got goals for it. Do you want to talk about where that came from and what you're planning to do? Yeah, my goal is to fix the problem of being able to hire a good marketer. That's my goal. That's I'm not going to clean the beaches. I'm not going to replant all the trees. That's just not who I am. But what I really can do, what I believe I can do better than most people in the world is I can raise up a good advertiser, somebody who really knows how to look after a budget, who knows how to really get an, uh, an actual result. And so that's my thing that I'm going to solve in the world. And, you know, financially, you know, 10 million, you know, we're chasing after that. When I posted that goal of, you know, we're going to take ad skills to 10 million, I had a bunch of buddies reach out to me and was like, dude, you know, maybe two million, you know, like maybe doubling what you're at right now. Maybe you don't need to 10x. Maybe you just need to double what you're at. And also to realize, you know, they told me, you know, listen, you've got the dream business. You know, don't ruin your dream business for the pursuit of just money because there's a lot of people who are at 10 million or 100 million who wish they had a smaller business. And I've actually been learning that. Now that I've attracted some bigger clients, some guys who have, you know, worked with billion dollar companies and, and nine figure companies. And then, you know, I talk to them and they're like, wait, so you're doing good money. You've got a team. You're traveling. You get to work five to 10. Why are you trying to change the formula? Like, you know, and, and I sometimes in my quest for the milestones and the achievements, 
I sometimes lose the vision of like maybe how good I've got it right now. And then I scared the death out of my team. You know, when I said, uh, all right, guys, you know, new goal, 10 million. They were like, okay, boss, <laughs> we'll just do 10 times more of what we're doing right now. And, uh, and so I had to reannounce, you know, okay, the goal is still 10 million, but we're going to kind of, uh, we're going to stop by 2 million first before we, you know, get on down the road to 10 million. Well, it's really fascinating to me. It's, it is the most stated goal that I get at the silver circle level, 10 million. Right. Cause by that stage, you know, the average business is making 3 million, which means they're either doing 500,000 or 6 million, somewhere in that region, but they want 10. That's the most stated goal. Mm. I can usually help people get to the core of why that's their goal. I know for sure I posted on that post of yours saying yeah. it's fine if that's your goal, but you'll have to pay a price for it in some way Mm -hmm. because it's also true. A lot of people who have a big business, they say, gosh, I wish it could just go back to when it was simple. Mm. It was so much easier when it was me and a little team. We made a couple of million. We had a good profit margin. Life was cruisy. You do bring in different levels of complexity. That being said, you know, I just watched a documentary about Bill Gates and this guy's a really fascinating guy. And, you know, he's decabillionaire. <laughs> Some people have just got a knack for it. His brain never switches off and he loves it. Same as Warren Buffett. He seems to love his lifestyle mm-hmm. of just, you know, reading and eating McDonald's and drinking Coke and, you know, picking <laughs> good businesses to invest in. And if they love it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's really fascinating to understand why the goal. And then, you know, reflecting back onto your kids, do you think there's a chance it could intimidate them or make it a bit harder for them to get out into life the more and more successful you are? I've often wondered about that. Yeah, my son, I've definitely noticed this. My daughter is a little bit too young. She She's just so in love with the creative thing. She just, like I said, she just has a always on wanting to create, you know, and we have to turn her off, you know, (laughs) my son, on the other hand, we got to always be like trying to turn him on. And he's been a little ruined, uh, not ruined. That's such a wrong word, but he's just, he's seen the big numbers, you know, cause we, you know, we've had fantastic months of revenue. Uh, he's seen us fly to Sydney and then Haiti. And, you know, he's been to Jamaica and we stayed at the same house that Chris Brown, the singer rapper stayed at, you know, I mean, he's just, he's seen so much and he's only 16 you know like i was telling you before the call that our biggest thing is we're trying to get him context like we're going to be staying on a farm here in tennessee and not only is are we trying to get him to work on the farm he's very interested to work on the farm because he, he just doesn't even know what real work is the only work he's ever done is like walking the dog some chores around the house and like you know we've paid him to upload a bunch of wordpress sites or something a bunch of wordpress pages you know, he doesn't know what like real work is. Even his first online job, he made $25 an hour and he's bragging around to my sisters and my cousins who to them, $25 an hour is a lot of money. And here's this 16 year old bragging about it. And they've worked so hard for what they're making. And he doesn't even understand that he just completely insulted them. And so that's what I mean when I say ruined. Ruined's not the right word, but he's just. He's got filters. Yeah. He's seen the world in such a different way that it's almost hard for him to see it smaller now which god i hope it ends up being a good thing but right now it's pretty tough right now i've got an optimism that it will similar for my kids they've seen it they've had a really good time dad's always had a nice clean new car Mm -hmm. 
and uh, there's always been food on the table. But my older kids, you know, they're out there doing real jobs, traditional jobs. And one of them, at 18, he was doing some hard labor, like apprentice auto mechanic, and then he's gone into sales. Mm. And it's a great field for him to get experience. But he's very resilient, and he's really strong and independent. Mm. You know, he's lived out of home by himself already. I'm really proud of my children and what they're doing. So they've seen a secure, safe world, and they've also experienced having to save and be responsible for their own finances. Mm. And I think that's a positive. And I'm hoping that the the next one along, you know, with the technology (laughs) will resolve itself. I think we're making some positive steps. But my thoughts, you know, why I would share this on the podcast is if you're a parent and you've got a kid in that zone where they're spending a lot of time on devices and they're starting to shut off from the outside world, I would, uh, you know, act early. I would act earlier than I did before. Yeah, I agree. I would have done things differently. It gets to a point where even things like school just don't become interesting. They're just overstimulated and it's hard for them. Yeah, and they don't have a need for money. They don't have a need for actual real life friends. They just start to lock down and become housebound and that's a really difficult situation. But I do think that these things will be overcome. But uh, pay attention to the, the early signs. And I think your kids just want time with the parent. Mm-hmm. They want to feel safe and secure and loved. And uh, that's it. I think I'm a long way from writing a, a good parenting guide <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, we've had times in our life where we've just had to buckle down and do what needs to be done. I know when I had my first kids, I just, I almost worked seven days a week because I was in survival mode and a dash of survival, a dash of shock. And uh, I pulled through and navigated my family through without having to put them into a dip. But then, you know, there does come a cost. Now I'm just trying to re-engineer things and make sure that I put the full focus on being a good parent, not over-spoiling them, but also sharing experiences that they have a unique ability to do. Mm. You know, like, gosh, my daughter's already racked up a few flights for a six-month-old, having been to the Maldives and the Philippines and the Gold Coast but she takes it all in her stride. And how could she have a regular life when I don't live one and her mum doesn't live one, you know? Right. So it's an interesting time. Yeah, it's interesting, man. My my daughter knows how to go downstairs to the hotel and charge a Coca-Cola to the room, you know? <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> she runs the place, man. She goes down for breakfast in the morning and... Uh, it's a very interesting life. Well, I hope the next chapter is fun for you. And I'm having a blast. I'm loving life right now, man. Yeah, you've, you know, you've tried a few different versions of routines and it sounds like you're really dialing in your sort of North Star or your sort of central force of what is important to you and locking out external factors that would take you off course. And it's always a thrill to hear what your experiences are like and to, you know, share this journey. We've talked so many times at different stages and I'm also appreciative that you came over to Australia and visited us. Uh, it was great to do that. I always enjoy seeing you when I pop over to the United States. Same. It's great to come up and have a big friendly bear hug yeah. and see the family who are always nearby. So let's hope the next phase is amazing and appreciate you coming, sharing some of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, what are you most excited about now, you know, coming into the rest of the year? Um, I haven't made the announcement or anything yet, but kind of the next big phase of our life is uh, we're probably going to stop traveling here pretty soon. And we want to buy a big piece of land here in Tennessee. 
you know, like 50, 100 acres, kind of uh, create a compound place people can kind of come out to and do a very different type of mastermind. I don't even want to call it a mastermind, but, you know, I'm thinking bonfires and beers and just really having a good, honest time in nature and um, laughs and maybe some tears. And for myself as well, just getting back to nature, you know, that's, you know, the real me would love to just be out in an art studio and, you know, with a creek that runs through it in the mountains. And, you know, I would be just fine being all by myself in the woods. And so I'm getting there. That's kind of what I'm really excited about. We're building this, you know, this compound, this piece of land. I want to create a place that my whole family can have a free vacation. They can come out every year and instead of having to pay for vacation, you know, they can just come out to the land and have a great time for a week and unwind and not have to worry about expenses and everything's covered for them. That's something I can really support. I believe you when you say it and I'm picturing it now. It's awesome. I remember reading Joe Sugarman's books and he used to run boot camps at his ranch mm. and that gave me the idea to uh, combine with Perry um, Marshall, who used to run bobsled events at his place. Oh, wow. Like those two ideas led me to running workshops in my place when I lived on five acres. And I used to do silver circle intensives there and um, kind of led to me doing the thing with Ezra in Hawaii, which how I got started surfing six years ago and then led to doing the Maldives experiences. I love those sort of things. Yeah, I'm going to create the most redneck mastermind anybody has ever seen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. You have to be wearing jeans and a flannel. You know, it's going to be a good time. Do you get to shoot tin cans? Absolutely. And- Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, sounds like an experience. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Great talking to you, buddy. You too, Justin. Take care. Talk soon. That's Justin Brook from adskills.com sharing behind the scenes. Episode 692, full transcript available at superfastbusiness.com. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Okay.